It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Hi guys, I hope you're well. As we so often like to do, we're going to really quickly run through this week's itinerary so you're all familiar with the content that we're going to be discussing on this week's pod. Now we kick things off reviewing some of the antics of the lads this week. We were uh, very busy at a few different events and at one in particular we had the opportunity to interview both Peter Crouch and Martin Keown. So we're going to share some of the clips from those exclusive interviews with you before we ask the guys that for their opinions on the appointment of Jose Mourinho and delve into the match between West Ham and Spurs. We then review all of the weekend's fixtures before previewing the Monday night football match between uh, Aston Villa and uh, Newcastle. Uh, after we doing that, we then go into the unpopular opinion and we round things off with the prospect of the week. Stay tuned. Now, just to finish, do you know that what was the result? 3-0. 3-0. Do you know what this means? 3-0. But also mean three premierships and I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. Three for me and two for them. Respect. Respect. Respect, man. Respect. Respect. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As always, I'm your host, Budge, and I'm joined by my faithful two co-conspirators, Dot and Dej. And we also got Tunj back in the building. What's going on, gents? I'm good, Budge, man. How are you? Very good, man. It's been a very, very busy week. Um, Tell me about it. Very, uh, very interesting. But we've, we've, we've managed a... to get and cram a lot in in this definitely. week, to be fair. It was a long um, week. Yeah, a long but yeah. productive. Really, yes, absolutely. So definitely. Absolutely. How about you, Tunj, man? What's going on? Yeah, I'm good, man. Happy to be here. So that I'll come on more often. But yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, it's been a busy week for you boys as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Definitely, man. We've been yeah. on the road, man. Lots of, you know, stuff that we're going to share with the listeners. This is it. Yeah, 100%. those two events were really, you know, eye-opening and, you know, it speaks volumes of like how we, how far we've come yes, as a platform. Absolutely, and you know, to be mixing with some of the people we were mixing with was, you know, top level. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's good that you would say that, Dej, because I just wanted to preempt and, and mention that to all of the listeners. Mm. That you know the, the the episode this week is going to be a reflection of the, the week that we've had. Yeah, we've because got to share we've, it. We've, we've mm-hmm. had so much um, that we've done in this week. We of course want to share it with our listeners and, and our followers. So we're going to do just that. Um, now we attended two uh, really really uh, good events this past week. The first of which was uh, an event put on by um, the the Daily Mail. Um, and it was a very, very sort of private event. There was very few guests there, but uh, very well-esteemed guests yep. within yep. within within media. Um, the event was called A Pint With Piers. So essentially Piers Morgan um, hosted the panel and he had uh, Peter Crouch, um, Harry Redknapp and Martin Keown. Um, and, and, you know, he was asking them sort of different questions about their careers and, and, and different topics um, within the game. And of course, the big talking point... Um, um, was mainly the appointment of Mourinho, given the fact that, you know, the, the news had broke um, just the, the, the night before. So it was a case of us getting um, the the thoughts and opinions of, of all of those guests on, on that. And we're obviously going to share uh, what they they what they fed back and what they reported um, in the episode as well, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But yeah, in, in, in all in all, what, how did you guys find that event? How, how was it for you? Yeah, yeah first of all, mind? Thank you to the Mel Online for kindly inviting us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a really inspiring event. Um, to rub shoulders with some of the biggest names, you know, in sports mm-hmm. in the country mm-hmm. was really, really inspiring. And like, what's interesting is that I would say before I would be like, oh my God, wow, like Martin Keon and like, mm. wow, Harry Redknapp. But mm. these guys were so humble. They were mm-hmm. so nice. Mm-hmm. They were so accommodating. And they were just down for a chat and yeah. it was an amazing, you know, it was an amazing time for me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, I got there early, you know, I was taking mm-hmm. advantage of the opportunity and, you know, it's work. Like, this mm-hmm. is what we do now. Yeah. We yeah. speak to like these types of people and it was good to get them in an environment where they were relaxed and comfortable, of course. you know, in that pub setting. Yeah, yeah, sharing a pint room. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're sharing yeah. a pint and yeah, they were very amiable. You mm-hmm. know, they spoke to us, they respected us and they treated us properly. Mm-hmm. And that was everyone one in the event you mm-hmm. know so it's very very honoring to be invited to mm. such a prestigious event and we look forward to going to more of those oh yeah absolutely absolutely and and of course the other event that we went to was the day after oh yeah um uh, long uh, 48 know, hours yeah, yeah <laughs> honestly yeah um, but it was a fantastic event, um, the, the first that we attended of, of, of the of the Blacklist Awards, um, and it was just really great to see how far this initiative has has come. Um, I think that was it's about ten eleven years that they've they've been they've been 11 running years. eleven yeah. years that they've they've been running that event, and just so yeah, I, I mean it, it was it was essentially more of the same. You know, you were in some very well esteemed company. Um, and it was just good to celebrate the achievements of, you know, black and ethnic minority individuals within uh, within the game. Um, so that was that was nice. And it was obviously an opportunity for us to dress up as well. Yeah, so, bow you know, ties. The, 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 the glad rags and all yeah, of that. Yeah. You know, it, was, it was good. It was good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. You know? um, yeah. So no, it, was, it was an amazing event. Um, obviously, I didn't come to the male sport event, but I was... Mm. 
lucky enough to come to the Blacklist event. Um, mm-hmm. It was a top event. Um, a lot of um, very popular people there. Mm. We had a couple of ex-pros, some top journalists. So it was good to mingle, chat, network um, as we do. Um, very, very, very inspirational event as well. Mm. Um, there's a mm-hmm. lot of people doing good things. So it's all about, you know, influencing the next generation and keeping them motivated that, you know, they can achieve great things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to butcher us on Tunji's point. Um, I just want to give a special mention to Leon and Rodney for mm-hmm. putting on an amazing event. I mean, from when we started this podcast, they've been so supportive. Um, and one point that hit me is that Rodney in his speech was saying that, obviously I'm just paraphrasing, but he was saying that, they're not they're just setting the tone and they're mm-hmm. not going to be able to see the full effect it's the next generation of that course, are going to benefit from course. it and i mean everyone was so accommodating and it was just an amazing experience mm. plus i had i bought at the bow tie so yeah, yeah. Know, so I, was, I was photo ready <laughs> yeah good, good few photo ops isn't yeah. it it was good, it was good yeah that event was really humbling to be mm. part of that i mean we're still in the embryonic stages of our journey mm-hmm. and it was good for me like i reconnected with a lot of people that i haven't seen in years mm. people that i played with at palace yeah other people in industry and what it showed for me is that you don't just have to be a footballer to make it. Mm-hmm. You can do so many things within football. This you can coach. Yeah. You can do charity. You mm-hmm. can give back to the community. Because there are people that weren't footballers. I mean, Mark Prince, I've been a fan of him for a long, long time. Yeah. He's so he inspirational. Yeah. yeah. And then he, you, know, yeah. you know, I spoke to him. He was mm. friendly. Other managers like, you know, Chris Hutton, Chris Powell, mm. Darren Moore. They were all there. It was very, very, you know, surreal to be in that setting. But again, this is what we do. Yeah. Like, this is what we do we speak to these people we interview them and we find out their story so I can't wait for next year yeah, because 100%. definitely you can tell that the the event has outgrown that yeah, yeah that yeah. venue of and course. I think next year Bigger and better. yeah they're going to look to expand it because it's so so big now yeah, and shout 100%. out to the Premier League for supporting oh, it as well of course of course 100% and I think it's definitely something that needs more coverage I mean some of the stories that we were hearing some of the inspirational stories definitely need you know more more ears on them I, I i remember one in particular i forget the name of the gentleman but he was um receiving an award for you know he 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 had gone to prison he'd come out and reformed his life and 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 decided to start a football team mm. uh, and stuff like that you know you, you, we wouldn't have heard of a story like that and uh, you know if we hadn't been at the event so definitely good and we're obviously uh coming for an award of our own watch this space <laughs> watch this space. i like that book yeah yeah absolutely yeah, work was, work uh, work free free bar as well so the TBG team had an excuse to get very drunk one too many glasses of red he was he was gone out there man. he was done out there cool alright so before we um, go into just dissect the, the weekend's fixtures if you like our show you'll also like the podcast Football Today um, so their show is very different to any other football podcast out there at the moment uh, because every single episode breaks down one recent news story from a different angle. Um, and they've had some very special guests like Carl Anker, Gabe Marcotti and a few more. Um, recently, they've done some episodes about how the protests in Chile are affecting football. And they've also um, been deconstructing the civil war at Napoli. Um, but what makes it really cool is the fact that they add news clips and music uh, to bring every story to life. Um, each episode is about 20 minutes or so. Um, and so it's perfect for like a short commute or for a, a, a long walk. So check them out. Football Today, wherever you're listening to this podcast and subscribe now. 
So I think the best place for us to start is um, where the biggest football news was this this past week. Wow. Um, and I think it shocked the, the footballing world when we heard of uh, the news of uh, Pochettino's uh, dismissal, yep. along with all of his uh, backroom staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly after to find out that M- uh, Mourinho was appointed in his place. And like we alluded to, or like we mentioned earlier, actually, um, it happened just before the the first event that we went to. So yeah. we had an opportunity to speak to uh, the guests who were at this event about um, uh, Mourinho's appointment. Uh, so before we delve into the, the, the game between uh, West Ham and, and Spurs, we're just going to play um, their interviews with those special guests for you guys. Uh, we, we managed to speak to both Peter Crouch and Martin Keown and get their views on the appointment of Mourinho. And here they are. What's your view on Mourinho's appointment as the uh, uh, gaffer of, of Spurs? Well, it's, I think he's been appointed to, to, get, to get him into the Champions League. Yeah. I mean, they're falling short at the moment, and uh, that's a big problem. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the stadium, the, the financially, they, they need to be in the Champions League. Yeah, and I think they have to to expect you know? yeah. so um, yeah, that's why he's there uh, Daniel Levy's cutthroat he's, yeah, he's yeah, making yeah. a decision to get rid of Pochettino which I, in my opinion is a sad sad situation especially uh, off the back of the Champions League final you know it was only six months ago you've got to get them uh, you've got to get them the Champions League you need to, to make those cutthroat decisions that's what he's done and if anyone you know Mourinho gets results. Yeah. Well, yeah. What do you think about Mourinho? We've seen him at Chelsea, Man United. It's ended in tears. What do you think is going to happen? Do you see him winning trophies with this? I do think obviously the, the chairman's going to have to make some, some changes to how he he does things. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, over the course when when I was at the club, they were buying young players and and getting rid of anyone over thirty. No resale value, trying to improve players, trying to improve the club. Mourinho yeah. uh, traditionally has got in players that uh, fit the here and now. Yeah, 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 not, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. not really build the club, um, which is what Pochettino did. So it's a difference of, of management styles, but he's been hired because it's Mourinho. He's been hired because yeah. he wins games. And Daniel Levy and Jose Mourinho. <laughs> Two stubborn characters. Yeah. How do you see culminate? Watch this space. <laughs> Last question. Your career, that Champions League moment that you had, how was it? Was it the greatest moment of your career? Which you one? Tottenham. Yeah, Tottenham. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Champions League's been good to me, obviously, internationally in Champions League. Um, I always enjoyed playing in uh, you know, Champions League for Tottenham, getting, getting them in there, scoring a goal at Manchester City, for me personally, was probably the best moment I had at the wayground. Um, the atmosphere, the fans, the fans, I saw people falling down. <laughs> <laughs> I Pushing me over, I did like a rolling pole. <laughs> I didn't even know what I was doing, it just lost our mind. You know, Harry Redknapp was here today, he got the champagne going all over him. It was a carnage night, but you know what? It was one of the best nights of my life. So that was the interview with Peter Crouch, and now is uh, the one with Martin Keown. Alright, so Martin, you've seen the breaking news yesterday. Jose Mourinho appointed at Tottenham Hotspur. What do you think? Do you know in football you have to expect the unexpected? Yeah. And um, I didn't expect to see Pochettino leave. Mm. You know, I've, I've been watching with admiration of what he's achieved at Spurs. No trophy, I know, but nonetheless, 
They're in the Champions League now every year. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. They made it to the Champions League final last, last summer. Uh, very unlucky. I mean, the fallout from that they've never recovered. And I don't think he's actually, I think he's somebody who wanted to manage. He talked about, I'm just a coach in the summer. He's recently talked about leaving the club. Yeah. Uh, I, and they probably wasn't towing the line and maybe Levy wanted to make a change, but I think they made a mistake. You think so? I think they made a mistake. Uh, maybe time will tell. They've got Mourinho in now. We need to know what Mourinho's turning up. Which yeah. one is it? If I was a player now, still playing, I'd be concerned as um, I wouldn't want to be treated in the sort of the way I saw the Man United players being treated yeah. at the end of last season. I need to be uh, reassured or, or, or let me go if that's what we're gonna, how we're going to treat people. Mm. Respect's really important, it has to be two ways. Mm. And I thought he'd fallen out of love with football. Mm. Apparently, he said in his pitch to Daniel Levy that he's actually gone away, reflected on himself, and he's changing his managerial strategy. You think he's trying to sell himself? No, I think, think he's, I think he's intelligent. I think he needed to. Mm. I think he needed to go away. I think. I think all you've got really is a man here who really wants to win. He's a, he's a massive winner, serial winner of trophies, 25 now to his name. But he suffocated everybody in the room in his quest to get there. And that's no good, is it? No. So he has to sort of jettison that side of his personality. And he needs to have good people around him. One of the people needs to be his press person. He's yeah. <laughs> It's a limit what they're saying to him. Funny enough, we, we, so we've spoken to a few uh, journalists and they, they all say the same thing. He's great copy. You know, so I don't care about the copy. I feel for the players. Right, yeah. So I didn't really like when Luke Shaw was getting a hammering. Yeah, you know, when. And there's question marks about why do we have to say publicly that it's Rashford winning the goal scorer in the air? You have to love your players yeah. and make them see, they start to act as you as you make them feel, make them believe. You have to make them believe they will be. Of course, Mourinho did that brilliantly in the early part of his career. Yeah. And it seemed that if you look at your clock now and Guardiola, it's, 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 it's a shared journey, isn't it? Yeah. And so that was Mourinho maybe has looked at this. He wants to learn, he wants to come back. Like he did when he was he sat in the pocket for Bobby Robson as an interpreter. Let's remember, this is this was a, this was a great communicator at one stage, you know? Yeah. yeah. And he has to get that back. Yeah. It, it's intriguing if he gets it back. Because it pushes Tottenham higher up, it puts pressure at the top four, but it could go just as easy the other way. Final question before we leave you: Do you feel that Jose Mourinho will win a trophy at Tottenham, and where do you think Pochettino is going to end up? I, I, I personally, I, I hope he proves me wrong. I don't think he will. He spent 350 million pounds at Manchester United. They won the Europa League. They won the League Cup. We're never going to win the league. Uh, I think he came. I think he came second to me. Yep. yep. And he said it was his all-time achievement. Maybe he was right. Uh, but I can't see him winning the league at Spurs. If Pochettino couldn't do it unless they're going to break the bank now. And, yeah. Spend a billion pounds on their stadium. Maybe they spend some money on their team. Who knows? So we've heard from Crouch and Keown. Now I want to hear you guys and and and, and your view on on the appointment of. Um, of Mourinho as well as the sacking of Poch before we then talk about the uh, the game between West Ham and, and uh, Spurs. I've always been of the opinion that, you know, sacking Pochettino was a big mistake. Mm -hmm. I think he earned the right to take Tottenham into that new stadium and have at least one season. Mm -hmm. When you look at the backing he's been given, you know, Sessignon coming in, Indombele, I don't think it's adequate enough replacements to take Tottenham back to their lofty heights. Mm -hmm. 
And I think he's been hard done by. Normally, it's out with the old, in with the new. Mm. In this situation, it's in with the old, you know, out with the new. And I think going forward, it's going to be interesting to see where Tottenham are in around three or four years. Mm -hmm. Because when Mourinho comes into clubs, he normally leaves like a trail of ruin. Mm -hmm. And he started to say, oh, you know what? I've reflected. I've looked back in retrospect. Mm -hmm. I've changed my ways. He's brought in a young number two, a 30-year-old, mm -hmm. Jao Sacramento. Mm -hmm. I was reading Jack, you know, Pitt Brooks' piece in The mm -hmm. Athletic. Mm -hmm. And he was giving an in-depth analysis into his come up in the game, mm -hmm. you know, being at Monaco and Lille. So maybe he has changed these ways. Mm -hmm. And in the game against West Ham, I saw him taking a proactive approach. But for me, it's a wrong decision. And Daniel Levy has, you know, um, traded long-term stability for mm -hmm. short-term gain. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Mourinho, he's a finisher. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's probably going to win trophies for a year or two, then leave is him. But I don't see it ending well. Mm. Um, it's, it's a tough one. Um, Pochettino, he's been a great servant at Spurs, like uh, Dej said. He's taken him into the nude stadium and he does deserve the right to see this through. Definitely. Um, on the other hand, that Champions League defeat to Liverpool um, at the back of the last season seems to have absolutely taken the wind uh, out <laughs> of you, them. I yeah. think the wind was yeah. gone before and, that. Uh, yeah, you could say that because they didn't win an away game for, I think it was since February. Since they, the Fulham yeah, game, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So they were not, they were failing badly in the league and it trickled into this season and it, it seemed they just stopped running for him and they just, in my opinion, they weren't going to make top four this season. They still may not uh, make it anyway with Mourinho. Um, in terms of the actual appointment of Mourinho, it is actually a good appointment. You think so? Yeah. We, to be honest, Mourinho, we, we have to give it to him. He is a serial winner. Mm. Um, his CV speaks for himself. Mm -hmm. We know that he can be a ticking time bomb at times, mm -hmm. but like he said, he's learned from his mistakes. He's mm. not going to make the same mistake twice. But turns anyone can talk. Anyone of course, can talk. it's a sales pitch. You want to get a job, so you're going to show your best face. I agree, I agree. Mm. But I just think the, the interesting thing will be, can Mourinho win silverware with Spurs? Because at the end of the day, the tenure of Pochettino at Spurs was that he didn't win any trophies and that's what we always came back mm. to so if Mourinho doesn't win any trophies now at Spurs who are you going to blame are you going to say okay mm. Mourinho didn't have any players or the players are not good enough mm. or we're going to say yeah, Mourinho's a dinosaur now he's his ways don't work but ultimately if Mourinho can't win trophies with Spurs then why did you expect Poch to win trophies with Spurs? Because this is a serial win. Yeah, winner. but I don't think they were expecting Pochettino to win trophies. I think the but they got to a base... point. They got to a point now where they feel they should have at least won one, one trophy. trophy. I think if Mourinho had that team for the same duration as um, Pochettino, he would have definitely bought home a trophy. You think so? Um, yeah, yeah. 100%. In hindsight, it's twenty twenty though, man. But when you he, look at the team, it's twenty twenty. To be fair, the you know when you press your nose against the glass and and you look at it, Mourinho, he wins trophies. Pochettino hasn't won a trophy. And of course, but he, need, no, but he needed time for me to transform. This Tottenham team was at the end of their tether. Mm. They were at the end of their cycle. He needed to be given time to be able to bring in these players to be challenging for trophies, in my opinion. Of course, um, Pochettino, we know that he he's a top manager, mm. but he does show a lot of naivety and inexperience. Mm. Potentially, Spurs could have been in two separate title races and they completely threw it away in their DN. Now, me personally, Mourinho sticks that through and who knows what could have happened. Because even last season, 
Spurs were right in that race. It was a three horse race and then Spurs mm. completely dropped off, literally just completely mm. dropped off. Mourinho on the other hand, with his experience and know-how, that could have been a different situation. I think a lot of people are quick to point the finger at Daniel Levy, but I think he's got a boss. His boss is Joe Lewis and he, Joe Lewis has probably said, you know what, you've got to pull the plug. Um, regarding the situation between Pochettino and Mourinho, personally, I think it's the right decision. I've been saying it on this podcast for a few weeks. I feel that Pochettino's position was untenable. Mm-hmm. And what Pochettino was doing a lot of the times is he was talking himself into problems. He was making situations bigger than what they actually were. And for me, when I when I looked at Tottenham games, I'm going to hark back to the Sheffield United the Watford match, sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. hark back to the Watford match. And I said it on this podcast that the players have stopped playing for Pochettino. Mm-hmm. That was one of the worst performances I can remember from a Tottenham team. Honestly, it was mm-hmm. so bad. And I feel for the short term, Mourinho is going to come in. He's going to galvanize, galvanize the squad. Mm-hmm. I see them going on a run. Is it going to be enough to get top four? I'm not too sure. But I feel short term is going to work. But long term, when Mourinho says, I want 300 million, I want 200 million, that's where we're going to hit a stumbling block. And I don't see this ending well. Just before we move on, that 200 and 300 million, I would say that the problem is he would have had these discussions before joining about money to spend and everything. They would have spoken about this before he signed that contract to join first. He probably knows he's on yeah, limited resources. To be honest, for this to work, there's going to have to be some concessions both ways. Mm-hmm. Daniel Daniel Levy is going to have to loosen those purse strings and Mourinho is going to have to accept that he can't have the 350 million to spend. But also, mm-hmm. I want to touch back on uh, Mauricio Pochettino. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've spoken about him long enough. I think he can leave with his head held high. Mm-hmm. Five and a half years, he's changed the whole perception and mindset mm-hmm. of this football club. Before he came in, Tottenham are known as a flaky club. He went in there, built good relationship with the players and the staff. And yeah, he's going to go on to bigger and better things. So yeah. and big also, up to Mauricio yeah, just, Pochettino. Just, just to add to that point, without Pochettino doing what he done at Spurs, Mourinho doesn't get that job. He wouldn't, be, he wouldn't even be interested in that job. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's only because of Pochettino Spurs at that level that Mourinho can even be interested in yeah. the Spurs job. 100%. Absolutely. Now, moving on, we're going to delve into the game itself. Of course, Tottenham travelled um, to the London Stadium, um, uh, away to West Ham, um, and, and came away with, with with all three points. Now, of course, you look at it and you say, you know, Mourinho's first game in charge, um, he, he gets uh, three points away from home, which Spurs haven't managed to do for, for quite some time. You look at the score sheet and Son, Lucas Moura, Harry Kane all scored. Um, Deli Ali with an assist. I guess from an attacking standpoint, the only thing that would have made that completely perfect is if Ericsson might have got an assist as well. Yeah. Um, so, but but the thing about it is, you, you know, you've got managers who are in very different positions. So you've got Mourinho, who is his first game in charge. But at the other end of the spectrum, you have... Um, Oh my gosh, I forgot his name. Pellegrini? <laughs> Pellegrini, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Pellegrini, who is a manager under fire. Struggling. Um, struggling <laughs> at the moment. Um, and, and you know, was it was it a case of, you know, Spurs being brilliant? Or was no. it, was it you know, uh, West Ham? Uh, I think you know, Pochettino could have won that game if yeah. he was there. That's how bad West Ham are. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, when you've got a goalkeeper like Roberto, I mean, I've said it for the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah. He's a clowning goal. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I respect him as a professional footballer and as an athlete, but mm. let's be honest, where did they find him from? <laughs> I mean, he can't mm. do the basics. Yeah. He it's comes out, you can, he's like a car crash. Yeah, like, you can see it happening from target home. is is almost a goal. Mm. It's, it's a tough, 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 tough situation for West Ham right now. Mm. I, I want to, um, you know, speak about Tottenham first. I feel... Good performance, good performance. I like Mourinho said, you know what, we're going to leave six six at the back covering and we're going to allow four attackers to express themselves. And I mean, we all read the, the comments regarding Deli Ali asking him whether it was his twin brother or, or him playing. And, and Deli <laughs> said that, look, I'm going to show you, this is me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good to see Deli Ali back on top form. Um, Son, he can go to the next level under, under Mourinho. And... As much as I appreciate Pochettino and I believe he's an amazing manager, Mourinho is that finisher. He mm. completes the job. So he's mm. already got a good team. Of course, he's going to invest, but he can take them to the next level in the short term. Um, going back to the so game. So just before you go, what's that next level? Because Tottenham, finish, be I don't see them winning a Premier League while yeah, seeing I, Liverpool around. So what constitutes can, a success? Is it FA Cup? Is it a Capital One Cup? Or what is it? I feel when I say next level, I don't think as a like, in terms of like making them a better team, but I feel that winning a trophy, so I what think trophy? that Mourinho, maybe a FA Cup, maybe a domestic double, even an FA Cup and a Carabao Cup. I think Tottenham fans will take that. Maybe, but yeah, just to dissect into the game, I mean, you know, we're not going to expect major changes from, you know, Pochettino's time in just, you know, three, four days. We have to remember that these players are human. They had strong bonds with, you know, Pochettino as well. So you could see them after the game come out and say, you know what, um, Pochettino is an honour to play with him. He's my friend, this and that. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of inner turmoil within three, four days. So I wasn't expecting them to, you know, go there and blow West Ham away and mm-hmm. have the complete performance. Mourinho's job was to just try and find, you know, get a tune out of the players mm-hmm. and, you know, get a positive result, which they did. And some of their attacking play was phenomenal, cohesive. Mm-hmm. I remember a few weeks ago, you know, Dot saying, you know, Ali's not a player you can build your team around. But what Mourinho done, he went back to basics and he said, you know, what? I'm going to build this team around you for this game, playing him in his favoured, you know, second striker role, where he dovetails mm. off Harry Kane, mm-hmm. which we saw him be very, very effective. Mm-hmm. So you can already see Mourinho's giving him that fatherly love, saying, you're mm-hmm. my man. You know, I've got stocks on you. Mm-hmm. Now deliver, no excuses. And even Deli Ali, after the game, he came out and said, yeah, obviously the gaff had a little bit of a joke with me, but you know, I'm Daily Ali. I want to evolve my game. I don't want to get back to the old Ali mm-hmm. and time will tell whether he can do this. Yeah, make no, no mistake about it. This current Spurs side is a very, very good side. Um, with a manager like Mourinho at the head of that, they can be very dangerous. Um, Mora straight back into the team. Son, Kane, Ali. It, it's a dynamic four. Oh. So if you look at that, you know, a bit of words in the air from Mourinho, they'll be actually mm. motivated mm. to put in a performance. And of course, yeah, they were a bit sloppy towards the end of the game, but it was an emphatic mm. um, result at that point until, you know, they got the two late goals. Let's, but, go so, let's be honest, 3-2 flatters West Ham. Of yeah, course. They absolutely, were, absolutely. They were absolutely abject. They were mm. shocking. I mean, the only players that can hold their head up high in terms of West Ham is Mark Noble, 
I think Declan Rice had a decent game Antonio, and Antonio yeah, when he yeah. came on from the bench he was the spark that they were yeah. missing and that's what I've realised with this West Ham team they need to go back to basics as soon as Antonio came on they started fighting it was getting in their faces mm. putting them under pressure and West Ham they've gone away from that in yeah, the but, last couple of games but Tunji say that but I remember Dej was talking about Roberto earlier, but I feel that he stripped the whole confidence of the team. Honestly, of you see Asa Diop had an absolute stinker. And it was he was off as well. Off. Yeah, like when you've got a goalkeeper that can do anything that you're not certain about, <laughs> How it's, it's, it's panic stations. And, you know, Pellegrini, he seems to be in a rut at the moment. But just to go back to Tottenham as well, when I speak to a lot of Tottenham fans, the issue or the gripe they had with um, Pochettino was the fact that he started to complicate things Mourinho just said, you know what, I'm going to play 4-2-3-1, plays in their best position, and they got the result. So, I think, I think Pellegrini's in, he's in massive trouble. Um, Darren Lewis has been writing that they're really concerned about the form um, of, of West Ham. And with West Ham, I think Fabianski needs to come back as soon as possible, but mm. I think he's still out for another six to eight weeks. So that's going to that be a problem. A you um, have to find like in-house solutions. Mm. Roberto's not good enough. They've got a goalkeeper on the bench. I think they got him from Championship. At the moment, Martin. it seems So you need Roberto to just bring right him in and stop mm. the bleeding because Pellegrini persisting with him. It's like you want to get the sack. Mm. You can see that this is a player without confidence or I don't think it's a confidence issue, it's a quality issue. We mm. have to be honest. So and you can even see it from the set pieces, the corners, you see the defenders trying to get <laughs> yeah. where yeah. Roberto yeah. should be. Yeah. It's just panic station. Mate, I was watching the game as well. Kane, I think he had a free kick from like 35 yards. Kane said, I'm just going to kick this. I'm just going to kick this. Who knows? He might fumble it. It's crazy. Fair point. So let's let's move on. Um, another huge game of, of of this weekend, I think, was most certainly the the, uh, the one between City and and mm, Chelsea. Cracker. Now Chelsea, of course, in recent weeks have uh, had very strong performances away from home. Um, so you know would have gone into that game uh, very fairly confident um, that they could get something uh, out of it, and certainly uh, in, in in the opening exchanges would have uh, you know been been you know. Uh, even more buoyed by with, with with that viewpoint, um, given the fact that they were playing some very attractive uh, football, um, showing no respect to City, um, and and you know their their, their pressing and the intricate uh, passing patterns paid off, um, and they and they scored the uh, the opening goal. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the the end result, of course, though, was uh, that City um, took all three points, mm-hmm. um, and I think. The reason why this game in particular was quite interesting, because I, I saw a really uh, interesting stat before the game, which mm-hmm. was that at uh, 12 games into the season, the the, the biggest uh, points deficit that Pep has ever mm-hmm. faced in a league is three points. Mm. And this is his lowest tally. Yes, absolutely. After 12 games. So his lowest tally after 12 games. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there were, there were, there were a lot of uh, sort of different talking points, that being one of them. The fact that uh, Chelsea have uh, performed so well away from home, you know, could they do it? Um, is it is was that the perfect time to play uh, City off the back of you know the the the, the, the their their most recent uh, uh, loss to to Liverpool and, and that kind of thing? And so there, there were there were naturally a lot of talking points. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, guys, what what are your thoughts on on the game? Um, let us know what your, your um, analysis is. A few episodes ago, I've said that I feel. Um, you know, I'm concerned about Chelsea in the big games, mm-hmm. but I feel yesterday they can hold their heads up high. Um, mm. I think they played really well. They played on the front foot. 
um, that's the lowest possession Pep Guardiola has ever had in the Premier League. And I think the, the job that Frank Lampard is doing there is unreal because if I told you at the start of the mm. season that Chelsea are going to be in this position where you feel that they could have got a point against Man City at mm-hmm. the Etihad, you would have probably laughed at me. Mm. And I feel the performance of Conte in the midfield was was amazing. For mm-hmm. me, he's, you know, top three centre mids in the world. Um, Jorginho was really good and Kovacic is like a transformed player this season. But the only problem is that I always knew that Man City were going to win that game. Um, and that's not really a dig on Chelsea. I just feel that they're in their embryonic stages and with time, they're going to become more street savvy and possibly get results in these type of games. Yeah. Um, Chelsea were definitely good value for a draw. Okay. Um, they started very, very well, yeah. I believe. They started well. Abraham was putting them under pressure. He fed it out wide to William. I feel William mm-hmm. was very yeah. bright. Yeah. William yeah. should have, I yeah, feel he yeah. should have scored. But it's not like they didn't go 1-0 up anyway. Kante got the goal. And um, I feel Chelsea started very, very well. They probably could have got a second if they did. It could have been a completely different game. But again, like um, Dot said, they're a bit naive in the big games. And... Both of the goals could have been avoided, especially the Mahrez goal. You cannot let Mahrez cut into his left foot. And yeah, was that was two poor of them. From yeah, that was that was mm. it was naive. It was mm. very very naive. So when you're playing a team of Man City's quality, you can't let players like Mahrez cut into their favourite foot and um, hit into the bottom corner. From a Man City point of view, um, very impressive from them. Mm. They just came off the back of a defeat from Liverpool mm. that can shot your confidence to pieces. Of course. Um, mm. So they responded like champions and champions, mm-hmm. they dust themselves down and they come back and yeah. they win the game and yeah. say, yeah, Liverpool, we're not, we're not done with you mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. So I think from a Man City point of view, what they need to do is just stay within a single digit okay. um, yeah. in terms of behind Liverpool, which is nine. Can't go no more than nine. Yeah. As long as they stay within <laughs> yeah. a single digit um, points difference, chance. they have a fighting chance. Wait, Dej, as a left back, you spoke about the goal. What would you do in that kind of situation? What's the best way to defend that? First of all, as a left back, you look at your player, you look at your opposition you know Riyad Mahrez is mm-hmm. predominantly left footed mm-hmm. so you need mm-hmm. to show him away from goal mm-hmm. Emerson so what do you mean was the space was there a gap in between the two players or yeah he should have shifted him out even over exaggerate your body position to say mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. This, this is for the, the Mahrez goal yeah, yeah for the Mahrez goal this is the only way you're going so then Riyad Mahrez will have to go down the line and try and cross it mm-hmm. rather than offering him a shooting opportunity but yeah just to go back into the game there were so many subplots coming into this game Man City they lost to Liverpool you know, was the international break, you know, long enough mm. to get rid of the, you know, psychological scar tissue mm-hmm. that they would have accrued? Or will Chelsea coming off, you know, six back-to-back wins in the league be ready to take on such a test? And what we saw in the first portion of the game, Chelsea came, they brought the heat. Yeah. And I think for them, as Dot alluded to, they're in the embryonic stages. But what Frank Lampard would have wanted to see is that same bravery, energy, good football and striking the balance between defensive and attacking transitions. Mm-hmm. I thought sometimes they, mm, you know, play themselves into trouble. Sometimes they weave themselves out of, you know, the Man City high press, but they're in the early stages. And even though they lost this fight, I think they're looking like a team that with another few transfer windows and a few more players, they can be polished and, and do good things under Frank. Yeah, I agree, Dej. I think that set the mid battle. I think they left too much space for Man City mm. to exploit. Um, I just want to shine a spotlight on Fernandinho because I've been critical of him at centre-back. I've been saying that Pep should play Otamendi and move Fernandinho back to a defensive midfield position. But 
Fernandinho put in a top-notch performance. I mean, Conte could have made it 2-2, I believe, and he made a world-class block. So a special mention to him, and it's a great win for Pep Guardiola. I also mean, a special mention to Mendy for completing another four no, games. Hats off to you, Mendy. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and another remarkable stat. I mean, Kante scored with all three of his shots on target this season. City had the lowest possession that they've handled on Pep. Mm. And City have conceded the first goal in three of their last four home games. And that's as many as they had in their previous 51 at the Etihad. So... Hmm. Also, I know what hmm. um, Lampard was trying to do this game with the 4 for 3 that he started, but I was very, very surprised that Mason Mount didn't start that game. Yeah. I think that's maturity it's from Frank Lampard because he knew that he didn't want to... He wanted that balance between attack and defence mm-hmm. and having Kovacic, Jorginho and Kante provided that balance. Mm-hmm. With Mason Mount, he would have been more attack and that would have left the space. The only reason I say that is because City start, um, Chelsea started so bright. and Yeah, but Pulisic, you can't drop him yeah, in that yeah. form. Kante yeah. has to yeah. play. yeah. It was, a, it was a big call. Absolutely. So let's move on now. Um, Liverpool went on their travels uh, and, and, and visited Selhurst Park to play against uh, uh, Palace and came away with, with all three points, uh, winning 2-1. Boy, you're rolling your eyes. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I mean, uh, I guess what comes to mind is uh, your, 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 um, your team anthem, right? You'll never walk alone <laughs> see what I did there um, so I mean you know as as we've, we've seen uh, in in um, you know recent weeks in, in, in different games you know v, uh, VAR uh, tends to rear its, its, its ugly head done a um, good job there that, that, yeah hmm? what do you mean Budge what, I, I'm quoting you, aren't I? Because okay. you you you've okay. mentioned that VAR rests mm-hmm. ugly okay. head, okay. <laughs> perhaps not when it when it when it goes in favour of Liverpool. Okay, and so a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, okay. But uh, can I ask you? Was that was that a foul? Uh, Let's get the balance between <laughs> factual and agenda. Yeah, because okay. I think a lot of people have got the agenda hat on. Okay. And first of all, right. if I just want to get into the game, yeah. I mean, mentality monsters, redemption seekers. I've run out of superlatives <laughs> for this Liverpool side, man. They just problem solvers. They find a way. Mm. I mean, I was reading a piece in The Athletic with James Pearce this week and they were talking about the appointment of, you know, Lee Richardson and the work that he's doing with the staff. I mean, in a psych- psychological capacity. Mm-hmm. This is a team that have had their share of knocks. I mean, going to the Champions League final, you know, Salah getting injured, then going mm-hmm. back the next year and winning the Champions League. Last year, coming within a razor-thin blade mm-hmm. of winning the Premier League. This year, they look like they're going to do it at maybe a canter. This is a Liverpool team that, you know, you can't knock them. Mm-hmm. When you think, wow, there might be a bit of a dip here psychologically, they raise the bar and, you know, win. Mm-hmm. And if I was analysing the game, I thought the play was poor. I mean, the battle between Trent and Wilfred Zaha, that was going to be where the game was probably won. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, it probably balanced itself out. But Zaha was giving Trent a bit of a run around that time. <laughs> Wolf fancied it. And yeah. to be fair, it was a jammy win. But again, you work for these moments. And it's no surprise that Liverpool have probably scored the most goals from the 85th min- minute onwards in mm-hmm. the Premier League because they just grind you to a halt. Yep, um, Liverpool. It's it's hard to criticize them in any shape or form. What they're doing currently is is quite staggering. One defeat in fifty two Premier League games, which is it's it's crazy. But that 
like Dej said, it comes down to mentality. They are mm. literally mentality monsters. It seems they've mastered how to play badly and win. They always know they've got enough quality to win the game. Um, I watched the game. The game was it was wasn't a great game. It, you know, after international period away from home, Selhurst Park, Definitely. it's going to be yeah, dropping. It's it's not going to be easy. So their plan is just to get the win and get get the hell out of there, and that's what they've done. Yeah, um, one hundred and thirty four points out of. 153 scary since the start of last season i mean that's that's laughable like it's robotic liverpool robots it's crazy but (laughs) just to go back to the game i feel liverpool were poor but Mm -hmm. it was one of those grounds selhurst park you're never really gonna play good Mm -hmm. but it's all about getting the three points and that's what liverpool done um Lovren was really really good I want to give him a shout out because I know a lot of Liverpool fans are on his back waiting for him to make a mistake I think he played really well um Oxley Chamberlain good to see him back on the pitch again mm-hmm. um playing well and yeah it's just it's just another box ticked and Liverpool go again next week also um again they say what do Liverpool do when some of their players are out Salah didn't play they still got the win so it just shows people come in even when their top players are out, they still get the job done. So that answers questions, you know, what do you do if Salah's away? What do you do if Mane's out? They, they keep coming up with the answers. I mean, there's 38 games in a season and you're not going to perform, you know, sparkling in 38 games. And mm. Liverpool just got the W and, and they move on. But yeah. also I want to talk about Crystal Palace because mm-hmm. we haven't spoken about them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, big up to Wilfred Zaha getting his first goal of the season. I listened to Andros Townsend and Roy Hodgson at the end of the game. They said that was their best performance of the season. And I think they mean that defensively, the way they were organised, Liverpool couldn't really penetrate them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've had a wretched run of games, you know, playing, you know, Chelsea, Liverpool, City, Arsenal. So now they've got, I've looked at their next six game. It's a decent fixture list. So this is where they'll pick up their points and mm-hmm. let's see what they do for the rest of the season. Absolutely. So m- moving on now, um, because another team that were on their travels was uh, Leicester who visited the, the Amex and they played against Brighton. Um, and they put, they picked up all three points um, uh, via uh, goals from Iosi Perez and uh, that man, Jamie Vardy. And it just seems as though the, the Leicester train keeps on chugging along. Um, they're stringing together uh, these, these wins. They're picking up points. They're playing attractive uh, football, free-flowing football. And um, that man, Brendan Rodgers, is, you know, has, has that team and that stadium rocking. Yeah, I'm just looking at Dot as he's smiling <laughs> because of this Leicester stuff. Yeah, he but, um, <laughs> It's funny now, Brendan Rodgers is doing an amazing job. Um, I think that's Leicester's uh, fifth win in a row. They currently have the best defence in the league. They've only conceded mm. eight goals. It's it's quite remarkable what that they are doing. Crazy. Um, they're crazy. You know, confidence breeds com- more confidence mm-hmm. and they just keep winning games. Jamie Vardy is looking like a man on fire at the moment. And... Um, it's just crazy what they're doing at the moment. Mm. Tunch, can I quickly interject? I think we can now officially dispel the myth of Suarez making that Liverpool team. I think we've now seen when Brendan has a top striker, he knows how to get the best out of them. I mean, Jamie Vardy wasn't playing like this a year ago and Brendan Rodgers is now taking him to the next level. When he was at Celtic, he had Dembele, Edward that were playing at a very, very high level. And I think, I said it, this Leicester team for me, they're the third best team in the league and I nailed my colours to the mask. They're going to make top four and they just look so good. They look so good in transition. They look so good off the ball. 
and the counter-attack yesterday was just dangerous and they put Brighton to the sword. I mean, what we saw um, yesterday, you know, Leicester going to win at Brighton, that was a top result. But to be honest, I predicted that. Yeah, I but expected that, that it. is a tough game. Because you not, saw them come not, out post-match and say, hmm, mm, we've, we've won one here. This is a tough, tough not, game. Not really, because when I look at Brighton, you know, they've changed their philosophy of play. I mean, Webster made a similar mistake that he made against Chelsea, playing himself into trouble. Mm. And you could see um, Brighton being caught on the break. I saw Vardy running through. You saw the defenders running back thinking, <laughs> goodness me, they're not used to this. Mm. Under Chris Hewton, they were used to, you know, defending their box. The Vardy squares it off to, you know, Jose Perry for a sweaty FIFA goal. You know, them <laughs> sweaty tapping. Them so, sweaty yeah, squares. To be honest, <laughs> But to be fair, like Brendan Rodgers, he's doing a top, top job at of Leicester course. and, you know, the train keeps running along and let's see what they continue to do because it's going to get to a stage if they keep winning games, you have to start considering them as, you know, title challenges because at the moment for me, I look at Liverpool and City. I don't look at Leicester, but mm. as time goes on, just as when they won the league, you're going to have to start considering them. The thing is, they've got a the massive bonus of playing once a week for of the, course, yeah. pretty much the whole season. Yeah. Obviously, mm. I know December, they're going to be a cluster of fixtures but I feel that Brendan Rodgers always goes on about having training time um, during the week and this season he's got that so of mm. course they're going to get top four in my opinion cool so the next two games that we're going to dissect um, funny enough ended in 2-2 and 3-3 three, three. Um, I would have said previously that two particular managers in, across these two fixtures were under pressure I think it's perhaps more so one than the other um, but we're going to start off with um, Arsenal, who hosted Southampton at uh, the Emirates. Um, and of course, before the game, um, you know, Arsenal fans would have expected at least um, that this game would have been one that, you know, we took all three points for. Um, but that wasn't the, the, the tale to be told, unfortunately. Um, and uh, we actually managed to rescue a point courtesy of uh, a late equaliser from Alexander. He didn't look Lacazette. happy though. No, he, he didn't. I, I mean, can you be happy? Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, man, he looked you know. like someone that thinks that he might have saved his manager's job for another week. <laughs> That's exactly how he looked. Yeah. Honestly. No, but it was more like, oh, we just equalised 2-2 two, two in the 96 minutes. This is embarrassing. He couldn't, even even, yeah, he couldn't even celebrate. It was yeah. like, what do I do? Yeah, yeah. we scored the equaliser, but I can't celebrate this. This is, this is crazy. Mm, so think, just to go into the game, I mean, it's another dismal performance from Arsenal when you look at it, facing, you know, 70 shots on goal in their last three games. It's not a matter of if Unai Emery gets sacked, it's a matter of when Unai Emery gets sacked. I mean, you can see that he's lost the fans, he's lost the players, even the media are starting to mock him, which I think is in a bit of sour taste, to be honest, because they probably can't speak Spanish. But then again, he can't get his message through to the players. And you're seeing this out on the pitch. Arsenal right now, the most underperforming, you know, starting eleven in Europe, in my opinion, with what, they, with, with what they should be doing. And they need to pull the trigger because it's only going to get worse. I mean, Southampton, you know, they were running amok at, you know, the um, Emirates Stadium. They should have had more goals. Four, they, four, four or five. Yeah, they spurned a massive amount of chances. And it seems that Arsenal are back in some inner turmoil. There's been some talk, you know, about the board members not being happy. Yeah, there's been talk about, you know, Sir Chip Cedric wanting to leave. And, you know, he's saying that he's being blamed for, you know, the performances when, you know, Arsenal have a football structure that, you know, take care of the football side. You know, you've got Edu, 
you've got San Lehai, you've got Vinay, you've got the Husfami and Josh Kroenke making these decisions and he feels that the pressure's coming on to him. So I think Arsenal, within this next week, I can see Unai Emery being out of work. Wow. By the time we do this pod again, I don't think he'll be in work. That's a very interesting uh, take. To be honest, I agree with Dej. Um, Emery, he looks void of ideas. The team just look laboured and they are not performing anywhere close to the level that they should be performing at. Um, Arsenal should they wasted a lot of time with Wenger getting him out the door it's clearly not working with Emery and they should just you know cut their losses now and, and move on to bigger and better because a lot of Arsenal fans want their Arsenal back and this is nowhere close to what Arsenal should be doing at the moment um, Southampton clearly should have won the game um, Gineppo he, he should have had a brace at mm. least yeah, yeah. a brace I don't know what he was doing in terms of his um, finishing for that <laughs> last chance and literally Arsenal just about got away with it with a point and mm. like I said earlier when Lacazette scored the equaliser he couldn't even celebrate because it's like this is embarrassing we just equalised against Southampton in the 96th or 5th minute to make it 2-2 it's interesting because Arsene Wenger's problem at Arsenal was winning games away from home and Una Emre in his last season at Sevilla didn't win a away game. So how can you appoint him to get the job? I just don't understand. And I mean, the thing is, is that this is seeped into their home form as well, where Emre can't seem to find the solution to win games. And the problem I have with Emre is that in his post-match interviews, he's always talking about going home, sitting down and analysing. And sometimes... Like, enough of this technocrat, you know, terminologies of analysing games, but sometimes you need to consider your man management skills. And this makes me question them because sometimes you've got to speak to your players. Sometimes you've got to come out to the press and say, you know what, it's not good enough, but we're going to talk. I'm going to try and find a way to build better relationships with my players so that can seep onto the, the football pitch. I think the level and every time is, it's analysed, analysed, analysed. He can't speak. He can't speak English. He's got a rudimentary level so, of so, English, so, so but he the can't thing, communicate if, effectively. If he's got we a, see it in the press. If he's got an elementary level of English, why not speak Spanish? Have a translator when you want to get your message across clearly. But I think as a manager, mm. you need to be able to speak the language yeah, of but, the dressing room of the home nation. Yeah, but there, Pochettino had a translator for how long? There's nothing wrong with but it. Apparently, if you're Pochettino, results. he knew English. He spoke to the players in the dressing room in English, but to the press, he didn't want yeah, anything Emre, to get misconstrued. Emre has you know, a decent level of English. I'm not saying it's the best, but you can at least understand his English. To me, as someone looking in, I mm. think there's a lot of mixed messages. Mm. I don't think the players understand him. I mm. don't think they're happy with him. And as I said, I can see there being a decision being made this week. And don't be surprised if the likes of Freddie Lundberg and Robert Perez are put in charge to look after this Arsenal team because Emery's lost the club. I think the rumours emanating are suggesting that he's gone until the 5th of December to save his mm. job and if they see no improvement they're going to pull the trigger and put him out of his misery they're looking at it from a block uh, of, of fixtures oh, as opposed games. to yeah yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah 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 like I've said on previous weeks on the pod um, Arsenal like I said you just don't, don't know what Arsenal is going to turn up and it's got to a stage where Arsenal fans are they've, they've run out of time for Emery and I don't think Emery will last till Christmas yeah that's it and just finally, I just want to end up on a, on a stat and I just want to go through the trend. And this is um, an interesting stat that I saw online and it's shot difference. You know, we're all mm. accustomed to the term goal difference, but this is basically shots difference. So shots for versus shots against. And in 2013-14, Arsenal had a plus 70, 74 
and then in 1415 they had plus 206 and in 1516 they had plus 120 and in 1617 they had plus 134 and in 1718 they had plus 170 Emre comes into the job last season last season they had minus 32 and this season is an all-time low of minus 56 and it's only going to get worse yeah, just before we wrap up on the Arsenal and Southampton game, I just want to touch on Southampton. I mean, this is all about building blocks for them. You know, after that 9-0 colonisation against Leicester, <laughs> you know, this is about building blocks, returning and building some confidence. So, you know, having a good performance or effort against Manchester City, you know, and getting a point and getting a point against um, <laughs> Arsenal is not a bad result when you think about it. Obviously, they should have won the game, but mm. getting a point, this is, you know, steps of recovery. And Houston Huttle <laughs> came out and said, man, like, we could have scored, like, four goals here, but it's unfortunate, but they've got to take the positives from that performance because they played really, really well. Mm. Fair point. So moving on now um, to the 3-3 uh, game today uh, between Sheffield um, United and, and, and Manchester United as well. Um, it was a game played at Bramall Lane. And we've obviously spoken in recent weeks about the fortress that um, Chris Wilder has, has, has built over there. Um, and to be honest, for the, for, the, for, the, for the purist, for the neutral, it was uh, definitely uh, an, an interesting game. Really End to end stuff, yep. you know, a six goal thriller. Um, and, and, you know, United came back um, uh, from, from being down. I think it was 2 0, and, and, and sort of they, they, they came back and then. Um, were ahead and and uh, you know Oliver McBur- McBurney in the 90th minute uh, drew it level to to rescue a point for his for his side. Um, what are your thoughts on the game? Guys? I, I was expecting Sheffield United to win this game, but then when I saw the team sheet, I know I knew that Dean Henderson wasn't going to be um, in goal. And then John I Egan saw that well. John Egan, yeah, Egan was, was missing, on, and that was a big yeah. factor for me. And when mm. I saw that, I was like. Mm. Man United might come out here with a point and, mm. and that's what happened. Just to go back to the game, I think that was probably the worst 70 minutes I've seen on the um, Oli's tutelage. Um, Man United were poor, they were outran, they were, were outworked. Sheffield United, you know, looked like the prime Barcelona, for mm. goodness sake. Um, I think the midfield three for Sheffield United were amazing. Um they played with good passing patterns. I think McGoldrick, he played really, really well. Mm. Um, I know he's struggling for confidence in front of goal, but I think he can take major positives from that sort of performance. Um, I was a bit shocked that Sheffield United actually lost that lead because once it got to 2-0, I thought this was the game done mm. because they're so solid at home and they don't concede many goals. But it was good fighting spirit from Man United. And at the end of the day, I think a draw is probably a fair result because of how the match transpired yeah um ollie he's gone a bit under the radar recently due to mm. all of the you know managerial mm, issues yep. so he's slid under the radar but that doesn't take away from the fact that united right now are just not good enough <laughs> when you look at that team as a united fan and you look at that team you just think where are any of our of our top players? Yeah, but Marshall's there, Rashford, yeah. Daniel James, and Daniel James for seventy yeah. minutes. Like you said, they they were void of ideas. They didn't know what to do, and it just seems the youngsters continue to bail. You know that it's like Oli can only turn to the youngsters now. Yeah, Williams managed to pull one back, and then you know it was game on, 
And then, of course, Rashford set up Greenwood and then... Great cross. Yeah, a fantastic cross. And again, James, we I think we've been sleeping on James. He's had an amazing season so far. Um, he's playing like a very experienced player. He got to the bar line. He took his time. He pulled it back. Rashford was there to, you know, get the third goal. But after that, you'd think, okay, shut up, shop, get the win, get the hell out of there. And United being United, they concede another late goal. A top team sees that out. Absolutely. And that's where I'm speaking about the naivety of um, Oli. <laughs> it's, it's very naive. And um, Oli, yeah, he's gone under the radar, but I do not see him taking that job for the long term. Yeah, to be fair, like just to go into the game, I mean, a team like Sheffield United, when you're missing two of your key players, you know, like Egan and Henderson, it's going to take out of you. This isn't a team that's got the, you know, plush resources that all the other teams enjoy. So you could see that play a part. I think if those players were there and they were in a situation where they were 2-0 up, they would have saw that game out. But I think, you know, they, they ran out of puff towards the end of the game. The last 70 or last 20 minutes of the game, you could see they were a bit leggy. Lundstrom, you know, he looked like he was towing a caravan. It was hard work for him. <laughs> and, and I just think if Sheffield United had lost that game, that could have been like one of those like, almost season-defining moments for mm. them. 2-0 up, losing the game. But to get themselves a point out of the game, it's a good situation for mm. them. It keeps that unbeaten run going. And for Man United, going 3-2 up, you thought, wow, <laughs> they've mustered up something. All three, mm. you know, academy graduates scoring the goal, bailing them out. But when you look at this Man United team, no leaders, only what, Harry Maguire, mm. De Gea. When you look at the others, you don't think, oh, he's a leader. They're all youngsters and mm. players that kind of play for themselves. They're not going to inspire the players around them. And that's how the game culminated. Dej, are you convinced by Harry Maguire? I think he's a decent centre-back, but he's been thrust into like a very bad situation. Yes. When you look around the players around him, I don't think it's tailored towards him shining. Mm. He's not mm. in a stable setup. Whereas if he was in a team like, Le you know, per se, Leicester, I think you would see more of his strengths. Man United's whole midfield needs restructuring. Um, they're definitely missing Paul Pogba. Mm, mm. Um, they just seem void of ideas. Fred Pereira, they, they weren't great today. Phil Jones, we haven't mentioned him. I mean, he's, he's done at this level. Let's be honest. I've said it before that the Jones and Smalling experiment is failed. It hasn't happened. He's had niggling injuries. He was mm. thrown into the game. He was buckling. He looked clumsy. He's just not a top <laughs> defender. Let's be honest. Yeah, um... Yeah, Manu defensively were, were really poor. Um, I think a special mention for John Fleck because I think he was unreal in the midfield. He played yeah. really, yeah, really Bordy, well. Yeah, I know you love him. Um, yeah, had yeah, energy. Yeah. I think Magoldrick, also good on Magoldrick the had a good game as well. Uh, Muse as well. Got himself on yeah, the score a sheet. Fight, it's a shame we didn't see that yeah, at Bournemouth. He, got, he, got, um, mm. he picked up an injury as well. Yeah. So that was unfortunate. And that's where it went downhill. As mm. soon as he came off, he was the one putting the back line under pressure. He was running down the wings. You know, he was giving the defenders serious problems. Mm. Just a side note, I think um, Chris Smalling's reinvented himself at uh, uh, Roma, you know. Yeah, that's good. He, he can got... do it in Italy, but he's, he's done <laughs> he it. He got a goal and an assist today. He is, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair play. Uh, good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair point. Right, so, so moving on, another manager who is uh, definitely um, got the, the spotlight shining on him um, at full beam at the moment, um, Marco Silva. Um, his Everton side uh, hosted Norwich at um, uh, Goodison Park, um, but unfortunately um, went home with, with nothing. Um, a clean sheet for Norwich away from home. 
Um, mm. That's not something that I would have uh, one for the put, collector's put, item. Hundred percent. You know, goals from uh, Cantwell and and uh, Severny, I believe his name is pronounced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where do we even start? Firstly, I'll say this now: Marco Silva will be out of a job. That is exactly why you're just going to ask me yeah, have I, I seen think... their next results mm, right mm. they have Leicester then Liverpool then Chelsea then Man United then Arsenal but the thing with that do you, do you want change to the manager a, now do you want or... to put a manager through that ordeal if you manager, get a new manager yeah. in, that's a <laughs> really so he's done at the end I think they have to let him see mm. how that run honestly mm. maybe make a change for the Merseyside derby I'm not too sure but I just want to I just want to go back to this Everton team because last week I said that again this Silva is a is a week to week basis. He saves his job one week, <laughs> <laughs> the next week he's on the fire yeah, again. Yeah. Everton and can't I, even win two games in a row. Mm, they, mm, they haven't won mm, two games in a row all season. Yeah, yeah. And the cameras went to Farhad Mashiri and Bill Kemra, and they look vacant. They're puffing Marco, their cheeks. Marco Silva at full time. He looked like a crestfallen figure. I think he knew. That that may be the final nail in the coffin. Did you see what he said? He has come out and said the club come first. And for me, <laughs> when someone says that, I'm a dead man a, walking. There's basically. an air of resignation yeah. of what his fate will be. And I say it again, by this time next week, <laughs> Marco Silva won't be at a club. Wait, just I just want to make a point, and I just want to go back and shine a spotlight on this Everton and how poor they really are. I mean, they've lost they've lost their last four games against promoted sides. And this season, they've played Sheffield United at Goodison Park and they lost 2-0. Aston Villa at Villa Park and they lost 2-0. <laughs> Norwich at Goodison Park and they lost 2-0. Marco Silva, bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when, you, when you look at Everton, like you don't know what to expect from them. Before it was a Pickford issue. And now, like they're not cohesive in play. I know St. Cholson, he had some chances as well. Mm couldn't convert them and that's the thing with Marco Silva he just make he chops and changes one minute you're out of the door next minute he'll throw you in <laughs> and what I've noticed when he's struggling in games he'll make two or three changes at the same time and mm. say you know what I'm going full <laughs> tilt for this I've lost the plot so and he's he done that against yeah. Sheffield United and then, <laughs> then me and you and Budge we spoke to an FA intermediary and he said Marco Silva's man management mm. is poor very very and bad and he said that he's one of those managers that once you're frozen out there's no coming back and and the reason why he's turned to St. Tolson is because he's in a crisis. Yeah. Of course. And St. Tolson coming in, he must think, you don't believe in me. You're fr- you want me <laughs> to bail you out? Yeah. Why am I going to bail you out? And again, I think Marco Silva, man, he's a, he's a bit of a myth as a manager. Let's be honest. Another technocrack he, manager. Yeah, like whole, <laughs> done a decent job, got them relegated, gets the Watford job, starts mm. off like a house on fire you know, leaves, comes to Everton, mm. starts off decent, then he just goes on a slippery slope. And again, they spend a lot of money. They should be doing much, much <laughs> yeah, better. Yeah. And they're not. They're not getting the performances. And I think... Were they you all know, Marco Silva signings? Or did yeah, they, he spent a, a shed spent, load of money. Yeah, it's a board decision. Him and yeah. Marcel Brands obviously yeah. work. Yeah, know. no, they've, they've spent a lot of money. They bought a Wobi. He, he didn't even start today. Mm. And like you said with Marco Silva, he doesn't know his best 11. He My keeps chopping and changing. Mm. But the problem with Marco Silva is that we've... We believe he was a good manager, but it's a that, myth. Though. Yeah, it's yeah, a it's myth. a myth. So we believe he he's was a good manager, out. but it seems now he, he's definitely been and, found and, out. And now. the funny thing is, is that why is his reputation higher than Eddie Howe? Why can't Eddie Howe get a job at Everton? Because of the name. And let, let's <laughs> wait, <laughs> let's be honest, he's going to be sacked. And when we look at potential managers, I would like Eddie Howe 
and Sean Dyche to be considered for that job. Mm. I think they've done sterling jobs at their current clubs mm. and deserve that next step up because mm. let's be honest, Everton is a step up. They'll have to manage, you know, plusher, you know, budgets, but I mm. think they can do a job. And all the managers under fire are foreigners. All the English managers, <laughs> they're actually doing well. Mm. I know, Fair so yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but also we have to mention Norwich of as well. Of course, yes. Daniel Farker, I mean, two um, clean sheets in three away games. Mm. I think against Bournemouth, they had a clean sheet, 0-0, no, no, mm. and going to Everton and getting a win. Because we were under the illusions that, you know, that Manchester City game was going to be the game that defined their season. Mm. But winning that game, it takes them off the basement. And, you know, they can look forward and let's see if they can stay in the Premier League. Because if they do... Will be one hell of an achievement with the restricted budget that they have. Mm. No, absolutely. And I'm I'm not sure if you did. You guys see the uh, post match interview that um, uh, Todd Cantwell and Timu Puki did together? Did you guys see what they said? I just like the hat that Cantwell was wearing. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if you guys you might you might have missed it, but I also said Dot Dej. If you're li- if you're watching this interview, this was, that was for you. That's for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, yeah. just, just final point on Norwich and. This is why I lost Stuart Webber, the technical director. Mm. He said, when they lose, you've got to be seen with the manager. Show the manager that you're supporting him. Show the manager Solidarity. that you're going yeah. to, you know, mm. stick by him through hard times. And ultimately, it's working out yeah. and they've won their last game. Yeah, they went so, back to basics mm. today. They had a good game. Uh, well Pukki and Cantwell were linking up just as they were doing Love at the start. Cantwell had a great game. And yeah, hopefully they can build from this. They, they came out after the game and said they fed off the atmosphere at Goodison. They knew it was a toxic situation. <laughs> and, you know, for as long as it was nil-nil, they knew that the fans would get edgy because they expected to hammer Norwich. And that's what happened. They got desperate. Norwich were cool. And, you know, they put Everton to the sword and all but sealed Marco Silva's job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving on now, um, Burnley were on their travels, uh, visited uh, Watford at Vicarage Road um, and came away with three points, three goals as well. Um, it's that pair again Chris Wood I Ashley keep saying Barnes. it Budge the most <laughs> underrated pairing in the Premier mm. League I mean Chris Wood six Premier League goals Ashley Barnes six Premier mm. League goals mm. these guys are reliable I mean yeah when you look at Burnley for me I thought Watford could get a result from that game mm. yeah, yeah they seem Same. like on an upward trajectory under yeah. Kiko Sanchez Flores do they? Yeah, they got a result in their last game. You no. think Delafeo's been playing well of, of yeah, late as well? You, there were signs that their season game. was gonna get kickstarted. Yeah, and That's for from me, what I'm hearing, he's he, he's on the brink. Yeah, he's another manager that you need to throw his hat into the mix. But because what for that board, they don't know what they're doing because they sacked their own manager. They're gonna sack this manager. How many managers they're gonna go through this season? Mm, they lost their. I mean, they won their last game against Norwich away. So you would have thought, mm, you know what, you can spring something here. Coming into Burnley, you think get a positive result. But when you look at it, when you look at that squad, I still expect so much more. Like, there's so many myths. Why isn't Ishmael Assar playing? He's their record signing. Mm. Troy Deeney's back, you know, fit. Good to see him yeah, back. Yeah, good to fit. see him yeah. back as well. So Came on in the second half. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit weird why they're not doing as well as they should be. Mm. And again, with the Pozzo owners, they're not scared to pull the trigger. We've seen it. Yeah, if they don't think you're good enough, they'll get you out of there. Yeah, mm. but Dad, when we really, you know, shine a spotlight to that team, it's pretty poor, don't you think? Yeah, when you look at the defence, I mean, Mariapa, he's probably, you know, championship. French Championship, bottom end, Dawson. Premier League. It's Can Dawson as well. He's I think they have a few flair players, but those players that they have, they're very inconsistent. The core is one that can, you know, get player, taken out. Level. Yeah. He's not performing. He's not performing. Maybe they're just underperforming. Yeah, mm. they're underperforming. Mm. Fair point. Um, moving on now to the final game that was uh, played this weekend. 
Um, and that was uh, Bournemouth, who uh, were playing at home at the Vitality um, and were playing against Wolves. Um, Wolves came away with all three points. They won 2-1. Um, goals from João Moutinho and Raul Jimenez. Again, Jimenez is is another striker that we've we've spoken about in recent weeks, and and certainly one. Who, I love him. Yeah, mm, he, who, really who's, good he's player. Been in amongst the goals of late. I'll take um, him over Lacazette to be honest, but that's another question. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a uh, unpopular <laughs> opinion I, I for the I, future. No, I have stopped in that one, um, but it's 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 an interesting one because. You know, we've obviously recently been speaking about um, Eddie Howe and a job that he's been doing at Bournemouth, and you know how, you know we we you know he's he's it's been a bit hot and cold. Um, what it's been weeks from where, him? where what, yeah. where else can he take this Bournemouth team? Mm. Firstly, I want to shine a spotlight on uh, Nuno. He's done an amazing job. I remember at the start of the season when they had Europa League games, we were looking at Nuno. Wolves were in the bottom three. And we're thinking, you know, one trick pony, one season wonder, <laughs> you know, what's going on now? Nuno's not as great as we thought he was, but what he's done, he has buckled it down, he's gone back to basics. Mm-hmm. And now the Wolves players are performing as they were last season. And funnily enough, if you look at that Premier League table, mm. they are fifth position, mm-hmm. which is staggering. So now they're juggling Europa League football and... Uh, right now at the moment challenging for top six so I just want to quickly give a shout out to Nuno um, individual players at the moment Jimenez he's a, he's on red hot form mm-hmm. um, he's been amazing I think he scored eight in his last eight for yep. club and country yep. so he's on red hot form and will seem to be benefiting from that and just overall Traore as well seems oh. his decision making is improving yes. game by game 110% so, I mean, you've got players like Traore making right decisions mm. Jimenez if you pull that together there's no surprise why Wolves are fifth right now. And I think that just shows good coaching from, you know, Nuno Santo, um, Spirito. I mean, he's a manager that when we're talking about these big jobs, his name should be thrown into the ring as well because the job that he's done at mm. Wolves since he's been at the club, you know, staring them from promotion into the Europa League and now basically best of the rest outside of that top mm. four. I mean, he, he's doing a remarkable job. I mean, that free kick, first of all, from Moutinho, great technique, oh, bend and whip. Mm. into the back of the net the angle was really acute as well yeah like it was a fantastic goal then the second goal as well Traore as Tunja alluded to great play Mm -hmm. when he gets into those positions I always say what are you going to do now Mm. then more for the not in recent positions he's been making the right decision Mm -hmm. and squaring it into Jimenez who he seems to have forged a great relationship with kind of reminds me of that Aspilicueta Morata type of thing when he keeps assisting him so I think Wolves are on an upward curve and it's going to be interesting to see what they can get from this season I think I just want to go back to the second goal because um, Dej alluded to it, but I just feel that 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 just shows coaching. They were thinking, um, mm. Bournemouth went to sleep and Matinho just threaded it through and Troy was in behind and it was a telepathic understanding with Jimenez who mm. just guided it into the corner. And I mean, this Wolves team, they're really, really good. They've got amazing players. Um, Matinho, one of the most underrated centre mids in, mm. in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I mean... He, he never gives the ball away. Mm. Um, Adama Traore, for me, I've said it previously, the most dangerous player in the Premier League. I mean, 1v1, forget about it. You're not stopping him. Mm. <laughs> um, Jimenez, one of the best strikers outside the top six. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, this Wolves team, I think with, with so many teams, you know, um, squandering points, um, that should be in the top six. I feel that they're in with a shout of, of now finishing in this top six. Mm. 
off their slow start. So it's well done to, to Wolves. Obviously, Just as, they go, as they go deeper yeah. as well into Europa League, it, it may um, affect... Are they, are yeah, because they get, there through? was there was like a juxtaposition in performance. In Europa League, they were performing well. They come to the Premier League and they lose. Mm-hmm. And now they've married the two yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, the performances right together. Yeah, the and now they're, they're really flying and Wolves are going to be dangerous. Yeah, just a word on Bournemouth as well, because obviously there's always two sides to every story. I mean, you know, before their last game against Newcastle, they, you know, been keeping clean sheets, you know, kept a clean sheet against Man United, drew out away to Watford, drew at home to Norwich. Only lost Arsenal by one nil, but their last two games will probably be probably be a bit of a cause for concern for Eddie Howe. Um, losing two one away at you know Newcastle, you'd expect they could get something. They missed mm. some chances, and now losing at home to Wolves, that would be a game that they would have been banking mm-hmm. on getting points. So it's just about trying to get back on track now for them. And also shout out to Simon Francis. He had a bit of a torrid time, mm. one year out with injury. And you could see the rust. He was struggling with those quick boys. <laughs> and as you get advancing in years, to be running around in the Premier League is a difficult job. And mm. you could see it take his toll. So he's going to be suspended for the next game. But mm. yeah. They also obviously have the injury to uh, Josh King at the moment. Oh, he's, he's a pivotal, a pivotal yes. player. How, how do you think they're going to manage without him? Do you think they, um, I think they've, they've got, got a lot of internal so- solutions. Yeah, they've got a lot of solutions. They've got know, a lot of attackers. Yeah. You know, Fraser's still there. Harry Wilson's there. Yeah, so Harry like Wilson, he, yeah. he made so some like more prominent play because yeah. so like he was playing yeah. in, previously in that number 10 role. So I think mm. he's going to go to some sort of 4-4-2 variation mm. short term. Fair point. All right. So now we've um, we've we've sort of uh, had a summary on each of the, the fixtures that have played, that have been played so far. Um, of course, uh, by the time that, you know, this episode is released, um, the, the, the Monday night fixture wouldn't have yet been played. So I think it would be a good idea for us to preview that. Of course, that is uh, um, Aston Villa at home to um, Newcastle. Um, do you guys have match predictions or do you have a like a general idea, uh, view on how the game's likely to go? Who you think is going to take away all three points or will it be a draw? Um, I think personally, when you look at Aston Villa at home against Newcastle, this is the sort of game that Dean Smith would have earmarked for three points. And I think this is a game that they have to win and they will win. Mm-hmm. I think at Villa Park, you know, that crowd will be behind them. It's an evening kickoff. I remember their game against Everton as well, played in similar situation mm-hmm. and the crowd were really on it, really but behind then, the team. Think- Aston Villa have the quality to break down a low block. Newcastle are going to go there. They're going to sit deep and it's they're going to, you know, deploy that sort of cautious game plan where they play for set pieces and they try and nick it 1-0. The question I don't is, see this as a good matchup for Aston Villa. The question I is, agree. what's happening with Jack Grealish? Is he back in training? Is he fit? Because he's the sort of player that you can rely on to, you know, unpick and cause and wreak havoc in that... Um, Newcastle defence because I think Newcastle will see this as a perfect opportunity to go into the top half of the Premier League if they win tomorrow they mm-hmm. go into ninth and Steve Bruce is going to be licking his lips so I see Newcastle getting something from that game so what's your prediction then I think I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw okay I'm going to go with a 2-1 home win I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw as well um, it's a tricky game like you said uh, a lot relies on Jack Grealish I don't think he's fit yeah, he's been missing since before. I yeah, think uh, they've been void of ideas when he hasn't been on the pitch. Yeah, McGinn can't do it by himself. Yeah, so it's, it's a each tricky other. one, but like um, they said earlier, if the crowd get behind them under the lights, yeah, as well. under the lights, that Monday whole night end football, will be rocking, yeah. they probably 
may come out with a result. But sometimes that can put a pressure on you, Tons. I agree. And of course, with um, Newcastle, they've got a lot of pacey players. They're going to be looking to hit them on a break. Maximum yeah. and Almiron. So, Will they yeah, finally might, score? Yeah, yeah so yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> both of them are overdue a goal. Yeah, so. yeah. Fair, fair play. That, that'd be an interesting one to, to, to see. Now, before we wrap up and have the Prospect of the Week segment... Uh, we are going to um, have the unpopular opinion uh, just before. So usually we have um, Dot and Dej who take it in turns to share their unpopular opinion. Uh, this week, uh, Tunji is going to give us our uh, un- unpopular opinion. And as always, we're going to put it out to to everyone and, and, let, um, and ask for you guys to give your feedback. I guess it's never really an uh, an unpopular opinion unless people come out with their pitchforks and uh, and, and knives. Um, so uh, we uh, we certainly hope that that will be the case uh, this time around uh, as well. So Tunj, without further ado, take take it away. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a wild one, but I do think some people wild. may. Yeah, I think a lot of people may agree with me. Some may mm. disagree mm. with me, but I say, outside of Messi and Ronaldo, Mane is the best player in the world. Ooh. And the reason I say that is, as a manager, if you could buy any player in the world on current form and it couldn't be Messi and Ronaldo, me personally, I'm buying Sadio Mane. Mm, that's a fair, so that's a fair shout. Yeah, and you yeah. can see that with how lethal Sadio Mane's been this mm-hmm. season. I think in 2019, he scored the most goals out of everyone mm. in the Premier League, nine more than the next challenger. So for me, if I was going to buy any player in the world, obviously outside of Messi and Ronaldo and you mentioned Mane I have to go for the young upshot that plays his football in France Kylian Mbappe yeah but is it because he's young or you feel no, that no. he's the better player than Mane I he's think, got more potential than Mane I think obviously he's got more potential than Mane to deliver goals and deliver so I, I'll go for Kylian Mbappe personally because mm. I think Mane is at the age where he's 27 Kylian Mbappe is still young he's got more developing a more upside in his game yeah, but we're not so, talking about you know long potential we're talking about right yeah, here what right you just now. said if you could, if you could sign any yeah, player yeah, yeah, yeah. Mbappe, yeah, that's okay. Mbappe yeah. play. for me um, you know this podcast we like to sometimes go left field and I'm going to continue the theme of going left field and I'm going to actually go for Mbappe's team at the moment I feel that the most informed player in the world is Angel Di Maria I mean 11 games. Very left field. Mm, so if you mm. could sign someone, you'll sign them. That's, that's your premise. That's not my premise. I'm just yeah, saying yeah, right your, now on current opinion? form. But there's two different definitions. You said if you could sign any player right no, now. No, Tom said, I swear that's what you said what? outside of Ronaldo yeah, and Messi. Yeah, yeah, outside yeah, of Ronaldo and Messi, if you can could, sign anyone right now. So you would sign yeah, but, that, but that means you're taking so many factors into consideration. So what's your premise? Explain your my premise. My premise is the most informed player currently is Angel Di Maria in the world. Outside mm-hmm. of Messi and Ronaldo, maybe you, you can even argue they're not even in form at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I'm going with the player of the season right now across Europe is Angel Di Maria. I mean, 11 goal contributions and 11 starts in the French League. Um, scored again on the weekend. And he's mm-hmm. outshining all the stars at PSG. He's mm-hmm. been unreal this season with chipping in with goals and assists. So I'm going to go with Angel Di Maria mm, right that's now. A, that's a real left yeah, field yeah, one. Yeah, I'll yeah, probably yeah. put Mbappe, De Bruyne, several players above, mm. you know, Angel Di Maria. Im Dimery, if you're mm. going to sign I a player think, now, I think he's been one of the most underrated players in, mm. in his career. Out, but we have it's to. Like, we yeah. have to. It's United. interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's like interesting. He left Man United, and everyone thought he was a poor player. Before Man United, he was one of Real Madrid's top performers. Yeah, of course. Of course, in the last of course. ten years, this guy's been a world class player for yeah. several years. He was clearly homesick when he went to um, Man United, and mm-hmm. obviously his house got burgled and stuff. But yeah, it's a real left field one. 
But yeah, I can hear your angle about um, Sadio Mane being your mm. option. But personally for me, I'm going to go for killing Mbappe. I think we're going to enjoy that boy for the next 10 to 15 yeah, years. Can't wait to see the next decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be outside Messi and Ronaldo. Mane is the best player in the world. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So we're definitely going to put that out to, uh, for public opinion and, and um, find out what the t- uh, timelines say about that one. I think that would, that's definitely going to be one that's going to spark uh, debate. So I can't wait for that. Now, to round things off um, on, on the episode, as always, our favourite uh, segment of the pod, which is the prospect of the week. So for all of you new listeners who aren't um, aware um, and familiar with this uh, segment, the prospect of the week is not a good thing. I repeat, it is not a good thing. It is a, a seasoned professional who's been playing at the top level for a number of seasons, um, yet this weekend was playing as though it was their first time under the bright lights. Rabbit in headlights. Rabbit in headlights. <laughs> um, fish, out to, fish out of water. Fish out of water, of course. You know, baggy um, uh, touches, overhit passes, Managers rash challenges, as well. and of course... Um, the, the the prospect doesn't necessarily have to be a player. It can be anyone within the game who's just had an absolute howler this weekend. Now, with that being said, we're going to go and ask um, all of the lads who their prospect of the week is. Tunj, kick us off. Yeah, um, it's a very easy one for me. I'm sure a lot of people will agree. And we just have to go straight over to Goodison Park. And <laughs> we're, looking at, we're looking at the... Um, one particular figure um, who's at the head of, <laughs> the of in the room. Yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, he, he, he looks dejected on the sidelines. He looks laboured. He honestly looks like he, he does. Uh, when you look at him on the sidelines, he's literally standing there thinking, put me out of yeah, my misery. <laughs> <laughs> like he's absolutely, it's just, it's too much for him now. And he, he's on borrowed time. And I believe personally, his position He's untenable. <laughs> um, look no further than Marco Silva. Yeah, there's only so many times you can stand in the middle of the road before you eventually get run over. And Marco Silva is is good now. Vienna. Marco Silva, you're my prospect of the week. <laughs> he reminds me now of um, I remember when I think Martinez was coming towards the end okay. of his time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he cut such a lonely figure. I think I remember, it was even at Anfield yeah, as well. Yeah, I just thought yeah, this guy's finished. He's not going to continue at the club. Yeah, and I think that was the one time he came out in his post-match. And, in, you know, usually he's very yeah, joyous, yeah. jovial, <laughs> yeah. positive. But I yeah. think that mm-hmm. that time it was enough was enough. Mm. So, yeah, I'm just going to move on to my prospect of the week. Obviously, you know, it's getting to winter time. So I was just tucked into my couch watching Dortmund playing, you know, basement boys, Paderborn. I was thinking, you know, it's going to be a routine home win, <laughs> four or five <laughs> nil. Then while I was watching, I was thinking, wow. This is going to be like the story of the season. Paderborn took like a 3-0 lead. If you watch the game, if you see the defence, Hummels, Weigel and Schluss, I've never seen three slower plays in my life. <laughs> Paderborn were just knocking over. Mamba was just having them on the stretch, causing major, major issues. And yes, I know, you know, Dortmund salvaged a point. You know, Sancho, you know, helping them with an assist in the last minute and scoring before that. But I think Lucien Favre, he needs to be under serious questions. Losing 4-0 to your big domestic rivals. And now this, just salvaging a point against, um, you know, the basement boys. I know um, our friend David Ornstein released a piece about Sancho, you know, not being happy at Dortmund. And, you know, next summer, 
they're saying there's going to be a big scramble, but I'm even hearing it could be as soon as January now because he's not happy at the club. He wants to leave. He feels that, you know, Dortmund is probably not the place for him to develop right now. So watch this space. But on top of that, Lucian Father, you're my prospect of the week. <laughs> just, just to um, speak about the David Austin piece, he was saying that the camp are shocked with the treatment that Sancho's received and mm. um, subbing him off at 36 minutes against Bayern Munich was just like unbelievable that like he just hang him out to dry and what was interesting is that last season Sancho was poor in the first half against Bayern Munich and he turned the game around in the second half so you know mm. that Sancho can grow into games mm. and f- for him not to see it out onto half time before subbing him off it's just unbelievable mm. for the Sancho mm. camp and they're not happy boy um my prospect of the week is, um, I remember Sammy Mockbell coming on here three weeks ago and he was like, it's his first time, so we have to allow him. Um, mm-hmm. And he went with Una Emre mm-hmm. and I'm going to go back to Una Emre again. Um, I just think he he's a dead man walking. Um, he's clearly out of his depth. He mm-hmm. failed at PSG. He's failed at Arsenal. And... It's, it's only going to get worse in my opinion. I just feel that Arsenal, they fit a stumbling block and Una Emery cannot recover. So Una, if you're listening, good evening. You're my prospect <laughs> of the week. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a perfect one. I mean, Una Emery, he just struggled and struggled and struggled. Mm. He can't get a tune out of this, you know, talented Arsenal yeah, squad. Yeah, you know, very Nicholas, talented. Nicholas Pepe, he looks lost. Mm, like, yeah. he looks... He hit yeah. the post though there, yeah, 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 he post, had a good effort, um, but let's talk about minute, yeah. his performances on a macro level. Since mm. he's been at Arsenal, he hasn't delivered. And you have to say, as much as we troll and banter, a lot of that is to do with the management, mm-hmm. him not being coached adequately. Mm. And that takes uh, us back to the episode where you had the um, subject of do managers make yeah, players yeah. or do players make managers? Mm. Exactly. In this case, in yeah. this case, I think we it's can clear. See that, yeah, it's because clear that the rest Pepe of his is teammates. under the wrong yeah. tutelage at the moment. And yeah, like he needs a manager. Yeah, but that, sometimes as a player, don't you need to take responsibility no, no, no. for your I agree. own performance? Listen, I totally you can't agree. always blame Unai Emery's no, stewardship. I agree, I agree. I also mm. said that Pepe is not ready to roll his sleeves up like you and can get see, dirty. Mm. This is the Premier League. You need to toughen up. And you but I think you're saying that is the manager, but a perfect case in point is yesterday. Put that ball into the net. Yeah, I know. But when you look at the mood, I'm looking at it as, as a player going into a dressing room and you can see the friction. You can see, oh, I've come to play with Bamiang and Lacazette. Mm. Oh, they're not on it. They don't rate the manager. Psychologically, that's going to mm. leave you in a perilous mm. position and it's just going to seep through and through into his performances. Mm. And that's what I'm, that's what we're seeing now. Just final point on that, but I'm of the belief that if you're a world-class player, you should at least show flashes. And yes, I know he scored a few free kicks in the Europa League, but I'm talking about in the Premier League, you'll see moments of brilliance where he scores a goal out of nothing. And I'm yet to see that. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to wait to see if it's a management issue. And Mm. I think obviously we're expecting change. So let's see if there's an immediate response to his performances. Yeah, he is their record signing. So Mm. Arsenal fans are expecting big things. So can he handle that pressure? Let's see. It may be a confidence issue, not a confidence issue. We have to wait and see. I think we're not going to see the best of Pepe until his second season at Arsenal. Um, but I think he, he's he's shown enough to f- to suggest that there is quality. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He beat Van Dijk. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was the first the first player to that's do that. That's his only you. one calling Absolutely. card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against and we'll hold on to that. Shamelessly, we will hold on to that. Shamelessly, of course, as Arsenal fans. 
Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, guys, thank you very much for sharing your um, your prospects of the week. Again, we're going to put this out to the timeline and we're going to find out who, uh, you know, if, if everybody shares uh, the same sentiment or if they have uh, different prospects. Guys, please do engage with us. Let us know who your prospects of the week are. Let us know if you agree or disagree with um, the unpopular opinion. You know, as always, we're always open and welcome to engagement. We we encourage it. So please do, whenever you are uh, tweeting us, make sure you use the hashtag TBGpod. So before I continue with my usual spiel um, <laughs> on, on, on the different social media platforms, I do first want to say on behalf of everybody at TBG, Thank you guys so much for lending us your ears. Thank, Thank you, you so Thanks. much for we engaging with it. us. Honestly, guys, we, we, we really, really do appreciate all the uh, support that we've got, the messages, the, the interactions and stuff. Honestly, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't go uh, uh, for granted. We don't take it for granted, rather. Um, it doesn't go missed. You know, we, we, we really do appreciate it. We appreciate it. every single message. Of course. Definitely, of course, like, of the course. inboxes we get, the WhatsApp messages we get, it yeah. means a lot to us. It does. Every retweet, every mm. like, it all it all goes a long, long, long way. Um, so as I was saying, when you are when you are tweeting us, please make sure you use the hashtag TBGpod. Whenever you're reviewing a game, whenever you have an opinion or a thought or a view, it needs to be ingrained in you to use the hashtag TBGpod. Make sure it's second nature to you guys, okay? Now, um, help us to continue to grow the platform by sharing the content around. You know, we don't discriminate by platform, so we're across uh, Spotify, we're across SoundCloud, and we're across Apple Podcasts. And if you are uh, listening to our content via Apple uh, Podcasts, make sure you also le- uh, write a review and, 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 and leave a five-star review as well. Again, all of the engagement is really, really helpful in terms of growing the brand, in terms of growing the the, the, the platform and the profile too. And finally, just before we wrap things up, um, again, because we are so appreciative of all of the engagement and the support that we've received so far, um, and given that it's this, uh, you know, the festive season, um, which is which is nearly upon us, we are uh, going to do a very special giveaway. Um, so stay tuned. We're going to re- release the details of that giveaway and that competition um, in, 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 in weeks to come. Um, and you will be in with a chance to win some very, very special prizes. Um, so keep listening to the, the, the podcast. Keep uh, watching out on, on our social media platforms as well. So you don't miss it. Keep your eyes peeled. All right. I'm looking over at Dot. Do I get this, the, the nod of approval? Sounds Two thumbs up. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening up until this point, guys. Stay tuned. Um, we've got big things coming. Watch this space. Peace. <laughs> Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.